Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. Former Buffalo Sabre Jack Eichel scored his first goal with his new team, the Vegas Golden Knights, on Sunday. So where did it go wrong between Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres? To help us answer that and talk some more Sabres hockey is the host of the Maintenance Day podcast and a writer for Noted Hockey and an RPI alum, uh, good friend Joe Yurt. And Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Kenny, it's it's nice to be back. It's uh, it's 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 nice to get these throwbacks to, to home, get to talk to you, uh, especially about hockey because – you know, man, we can get going for a long time talking hockey. Well, of course, I remember back years ago, you uh, did a, a, a meme for me, being calling me the king of college hockey, and I still have that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I, I mean, you're the king of overtime as it is. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that was a blessing or a curse, to well, be honest, be, well, <laughs> because. Well, since I'm back you know, on the beat now, I don't know. We get to the you know, playoffs start next weekend, so who knows what's going to happen. Oh, man. Yeah. I, fingers crossed for you that you don't get any uh, triple, quadruple OT games. Oh, uh, yeah, those were the days, man. Oh, man. Yeah, five over, two five-overtime games. No, no I don't, there's not many people that say they cover two five-overtime games in the span of uh, four years. No. No. I, I, nobody. And I, I think you somehow got to escape uh, when the uh, – uh, when the River Rats did that with the Phantoms, yeah, uh, I was because listening. I, I was listening in the office that night, though. So does that count? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Michael Layton might might want might, might want to have a word with you about that. Well, but, I, uh, I like but, to have, <laughs> I like to have a word with Michael Layton about giving up the gold of uh, Kane there in the uh, game six the overtime against the Blackhawks. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you might have. I'm sorry, I forgot that you got some beef with him for that one. <laughs> well, we not what we were talking about. We we're talking about Jack Eichel. This is my first chance to talk about uh, with anybody about the whole situation with Jack Eichel. Where did it go wrong? Uh, well, that's um, that's a bit of an extended story because. Uh, the way the way things started coming out as you know this whole thing unfolded, uh, it it seemed in retrospect that uh, it went wrong in that they never they never were able to put a team around them to be successful. They weren't you know they you know when they drafted them it was you know he, you know here comes the savior because you know they they spent the whole season before throwing it you know throwing the season so they could you know finish one or two in the in the lottery to get McDavid or Eichel. And, you know, it was going to fall on either, you know, whichever guy that they got, it was going to fall on their shoulders and be like, okay, you're the one that's going to help us end the drought and get us back to the playoffs and, and do all that. And, uh, you know, you know, Eichel, Eichel turns out to be the guy. And, and, you know, doing that to an 18-year-old is, is tough. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll give Tim Murray some credit. He didn't want to wait around a long time. Like, he, you know, he pushed he, – he tried to push the uh, – he tried to push the calendar ahead for, for getting back to the playoffs pretty quickly. You know, he traded for O'Reilly, he traded for Leonard, traded for Vander Kane and Zach Bogosian. Like he didn't want to he didn't want to have to develop and and get things done that way to get them back into the playoffs. He wanted it done right away. And I can respect that, but at the same point that wasn't the right move because they just they just didn't have the depth. They didn't have the depth with the prospects. They didn't have depth with 
with the, with a lot of the veterans, you know, they tried to, to go very top heavy with, with what they had. And, uh, the way it worked out, you know, you know, Leonard, Leonard, Leonard came in after he had had a brutal concussion the se- you know, the season before with Ottawa and he couldn't work out all, all summer. Like the first time he got back on skates was like the week before training camp, uh, started. And so he came to camp out of shape and then he gets a high ankle sprain in the first or first or second game, you know, and then, you know, Kane, Kane gets hurt early on, you know, I, you know, Eichel gets injured the next, you know, the next season before the season even starts. Just everything just seemed to be jinxed from the get go. And, you know, there's a phrase uh, my pal John Worrell came up with saying, you can't cheat the rebuild. And that's kind of what Murray was trying to do. So, you know, when it got through that and you start firing GMs, and you fire coaches, and you, you're going through all those things, you're going through all these, these very important positions, like people go through socks. It's not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to help. And it all stacked up on, you know, it all fell on Jack's shoulders. And honestly, I mean, you know, that the 2019-2020 season, he finished in the top 10 in MVP voting, even though Buffalo was, what, 20, 26th, 25th, 25th or 26th in the league. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, they, they just missed out on making the bubble, the bubble playoff. So, you know, he had an incredible year. And, you know, but the following year, just, you know, another year with Ralph, you know, the 18 game losing streak, he gets injured against the Islanders and then that's that. But, you know, the way it got, the way it came out after the fact, after the trade was done and everybody, everybody got their words out of, you know, Jack had asked for a trade after that 2019, 2020 season. And, you know, they, they tried hard to, to sway him. You know, they signed Taylor Hall. They, you know, they, they, they kept up they kept up with it with Ralph. And they said, you know, hey, listen, we're, we're going to do one last push to try to convince him to stay. And yeah, that went, that went about as badly as it could have. How much is Ralph Kruger to blame? Uh, he's only one. He's only a – I think he's a really small factor in that, honestly. Um, Jack really liked Ralph. He, he liked Ralph quite a bit. Um you know, that's not to say that maybe he, he liked the coaching part of Ralph, you know, what Ralph did, or he just likes Ralph as a, as a person. But he didn't seem to have any very obvious grief at all for, for Ralph. Um, I, I think that was just – it was poor timing in that, you know, that was just the culmination of everything. You know, it was just the sum of all failures just happened to wind up while Ralph was coaching the team. You know, I, a lot of a lot of guys didn't do well under Ralph. Uh, I don't think I don't think Jack was I don't think Jack is one of them. I think Jack did very well. Um, but it's you know that 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 to me that you know if you wanted to pin it on Ralph, I don't think that's fair because I think you can pin it on Tim Murray, you can pin it on Jason Boschel, you can pin it on Dan Bilesma or Phil Housley a little bit more than you can with Ralph. But you know, you, I mean, you certainly blame ownership. I think that's that's really where all the main blame lies for that because. They're the ones writing the checks and, and deciding on you know the, the executive the executive positions. Did Jack? Ever, I mean, I I just look at this from afar. Anytime I saw him being interviewed, he never looked happy. Was he ever happy in Buffalo? Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> when you lose as often as you do in Buffalo, it, it's hard to keep a smile on your face. You know. Um, even a guy who was who was perpetually positive, like Ryan O'Reilly, just had it kind of beat out of him, you know. And you know, very famously, ended up accidentally asking his way out of town, I guess, by you know by saying losing made him lose his love of the game. Which you know, when you do that to a guy like O'Reilly, it's like, oh man, how how bad is it here? Yeah. And you know, that, that's that's tough. And Jack loves the game too. Like, let's not get it twisted. It's not like he's you know. Hockey's like his second thing. He just loves doing everything else. Like hockey's his life, and 
you know, the losing losing piles up on you. Like, I mean, he's not a guy who's accustomed to being on was accustomed to being on bad teams. You know, his you know every US, team USA team he was on did great. Um, they had you know they had lots of success there with you know every year going up through you know up until the World Junior year, uh, the World Junior Championship year. Uh, you know, BU was outstanding. You know, they missed out on winning the title by you know the flukiest of flukish. You know, uh, Matt O'Connor. Uh, loud goals there against Providence. So, you know, that's, I mean, when, when you have that kind of stack it up on, on your shoulders, it's, it's you know, it, it feeds the beast for you to try to, get, you know, to get back and win it, win big. But it's really tough to do that when, when things were such a mess here. And, you know, I, I mean, if he's, if he's pissed about the way things, you know, were here and he was, you know, he didn't like it, I don't blame him. I can't fault him one bit for that at all. Like that's, you know, I, I get it. You know, you, you see that much losing going around and, and happening, and it's just like, man, like, what what else can I do? Like, especially in his position, you know, what else can he do as one person to try to do it? And, the, you know, the, the season he had his best year, you know, statistically speaking, was, the, you know, was that bubble, you know, the 1920 season, and, you know, Sabres were still bottom 10 in the league. So, you know, that's, that's really hard to swallow when, when you're able, when you're capable of doing all these great things and it still doesn't amount to anything just because they didn't help build the team around, you know, around him. And that's just, you know, I mean, if that's me in that position, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'd be, I, I, you know, I'll be happy because I'd be, you know, blessed to be able to play hockey as a pro and make a lot of money doing it. But I'd also be furious as anything. I'd just be like, you know, how, how can we not get this together? How much of a concern, what did he have with the neck issue? I mean, was he really concerned that his career is over? Could it- yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that that concern was extremely real. Um, it, it worked as a can, you know. Some people viewed it as a convenient thing to happen, so he could ask his way out. But you know, the the way the calendar ultimately turned out, that he had asked out a year before that. So um, you know, so that, I mean, that that wasn't really the thing. But it, it in retrospect, it kind of makes the, the Sabers look worse because they fought tooth and nail for him to not get the surgery that he wanted, which. I can understand, you know, it was, it's unproven on NHL guys. I get it, but you know, it worked on UFC fighters. So I don't, <laughs> I don't see where the argument is for having an NHL guy do it, but, um, but it makes the team look a little bit worse, worse for it because, you know, they denied a guy being able to, to play hockey, you know, a guy that was under their, under contract with them. And they seemed to be petty about it in that they, they didn't want him to do what he wanted to do, you know, and I get it. There's a lot of risk involved. There's a ton of risk involved, you know, because it's, you know, you know, if things go wrong, then suddenly you're paying this guy $10 million a year to, you know, to, to do nothing. And, you know, that's terrible. And, you know, if his career ends, that's, that's even worse. Um, but at the same point, find a way to make a, make, find, find a compromise somehow, you know, you can, you can try to get that patched up, you know, talk with those doctors instead, you know, Sabres had to defend their doctors because they, well, listen, they, they've taken a beating, you know, in the press from, you know, this whole thing with Eichel brought Leonard out, out to talk about it. And, you know, I'm sure there's a few other guys that, that would love to have some words to say about it, but they held off. But, you know, Robin's, Robin's not a guy to hold his opinion. So, you know, hey, that's it's good for us in the business, but, yeah. you know, probably, probably not great for everybody else. But, um, but there was definitely a worry there. I mean, the way he talked about it and, you know, when Jack speaks passionately, you, you can recognize it right away. And the way he talked about, uh, you know, how, you know, this wasn't just about him playing hockey. It was about after hockey and, you know, living a, you know, living a life normally, you know, because neck fusion surgery is horrible. You know, that's, 
It's really hard, and that's a really tough thing to come back from, especially when you know you're playing hockey. Like you, your your head almost literally has to be on a swivel playing hockey, and if you if your range of motion is limited at all, you're you're in trouble. And you know that's that's something I think Jack recognized right away with that because it's the neck fusion. Like I mean, I get it. If it's somebody like us, Kenny, like that, we're getting the neck fusion, and like that's fine. We live with it. Yeah. But somebody in his position where, you know, he's got five more years on a contract for $50 million and he's one of the best players in the world, you want to do things right for yourself and also to, to make it so that, you're, so that your skills aren't diminished just because some really bad luck happened. You know, I, I, I get it, but he was definitely worried that this was going to be, this, was, this, this is something that could really hinder his career and his life, you know, living a normal life afterwards. Yeah. You mentioned the ownership. The Pagulas own the Sabres. They've done a great job getting the Buffalo Bills back to prominence in that area. Why haven't, hasn't that magic worked with the Sabres with them? That is – that's a tough one to, to really get a handle on. Forgive the uh, the fire alarms yeah, here. It's, it's, not my, it's not my building. It's fine. Nope, nobody, <laughs> nope, nobody scored a goal there? <laughs> no, no. Well, not yet, anyways. But you know, I, I've, I've been known to be a bit of a sieve these days. So uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, it's not my fault. But yeah, it's um, the Vigula thing is it's really fraught with takes. Like it's there's a lot of takes on this one because you know, but the, the way things have gone, especially because the Bills have been so good in the last couple of years, and you know, I, I you know, I think back to. I think there was a piece that Tim uh, Tim Graham did, uh, you know, talking about the ownership. And one of the things I remember that Sean McDermott was credited with saying was that, you know, whatever whatever's going on with the Sabers, we don't want that over here. You know, let's keep that let's keep that out of our building. And I was like, well, that's kind of tough. We got the same owners, guys. Like that's I don't know how I don't know how you keep keep that out of the you know keep one away from the other because they're intrinsically hooked together now from you know from all the ownership stuff. But um, but it seemed that like. It seems like Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean have found a way to either placate the owners to be like, "Hey, listen, we we got this on lockdown," or or you know, finding ways to, to keep them occupied with other stuff, or just you know, just told them like, Look, "Listen, we know what we're doing. Just stand back." You know, if Terry's got suggestions, we'll listen to him. But you know, that's 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 all we can do is just listen. You're the owner. You're, you're going to tell us whatever. In hockey, it's a little different. You know, Terry Pagula, Terry and Kim weren't Bills fans growing up. You know, Terry, you know, Terry was not a Bills fan growing up. He, you know, grew up in what Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Michigan. I think he might have been a Lions fan for all I know, for all I'm remembering. I, I, but I don't think he was a Bills fan growing up. But he was a Sabres fan. Like, you know, the day the day that they, he came out on the ice the first day after buying the team, and you know, he's got tears in his eyes. You know, shaking hands with Gilbert Perot. That's that's a big deal. Like that's, you know, that's a big deal because he's not just the guy writing the checks and signing the checks. He's also the biggest fan. Mm -hmm. And it's a little, it's a lot more difficult to keep, to keep ownership at bay when you're, when somebody feels that tied to the team, you know, I mean, it, it sounds weird to say that about an owner being, you know, distant from a team, but you know, a lot of owners just seem to be like, whatever, I'll sign the checks. Just take care of business. Let the business people handle that. And they've got a lot, it seems like they've got a lot more of a hands-on approach with things, which, you know, we saw how the free agency went the first year after they bought the, after they bought the team and they signed Billy Blano and Christian Erhoff and those guys. And, you know, it didn't 
didn't pan out, didn't pan out very well. And, you know, they thought that spending a lot of money was going to be able to, to fix all the problems. And that hasn't worked. <laughs> it hasn't worked one bit. So, you know, they've got, I, I, in, in my feeling, they've got way more of a hands-on with the Sabres than they do with the Bills. But I think now with Kevin Adams running the show, he's a, he's more of a buffer because, you know, he came up through the organization, you know, as far as being an executive, like he came up through, you know, running Har- Harbor Center and coaching, you know, coaching some of the, you know, the youth teams there and, and, you know, got very hands-on the year before he was, he was brought in. So he, he's, I, I think he's a good guy to kind of soften the discussions between, you know, the, the player side and the executive side, because, you know, he, he's one who can take the suggestions from, from, you know, from Terry or Kim and just be like, okay, yeah, we'll look into that. And, you know, we'll see if that works. And then, you know, he's got some very good people around him and Jason Carmanos, uh, Sam Ventura, you know, uh, Matthew Barlow, like just, you know, the, you know, the, the stat nerd people, I guess, uh, who are, who are really getting a handle on digging into the players, you know, player choices and whatnot that, uh, I think I'm, I'm thinking maybe they figured this out <laughs> that maybe they've got it figured out now, but, uh, but now when you've got to compare yourself to the bills who are now a Super Bowl favorite, you know, if, you know, each year for until Allen decides to retire or moves on somewhere else, then that's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Um, Don Granato, how's he done? I mean, he took over as interim coach last year. They seem to play better toward the end of the season. Uh, they'd be sort of, you know, towards the bottom of the uh, Atlantic division right now. But do the players like him? Uh, do they respect him? And is he the guy that can maybe get this team back to the playoffs down the road? Uh, yeah, I I believe in Donnie. I think what he's been able to do, and he stressed this, you know, when he got the, when he got hired, you know, full-time, was that he wanted this to be an exciting team. You know, he wants to play exciting hockey. He doesn't want to play boring stuff, which, you know, Sometimes boring wins your games, but boring has been bad for, for Buffalo for the last God knows how long, you know, since, since Hoshik left, basically it's, you know, it hasn't really worked out that way, but, um, but he wants to play a more aggressive style of hockey. He wants to, to be able to attack more and counterattack more. And I think he's, he's pulled that off because this team pressures all over the ice, um, which is kind of the normal thing to do now instead of you know having guys sit back and wait for for other teams to decide how they're going to pick them apart you know if you can force the issue on them then that works and that's what he's done uh and it's turned around of you know a few guys already this year i mean there's you know there's a couple of guys who have scored more goals this season than they have the last two combined which is wild uh and there's there's two other guys that are very close to doing the same as well you know and it's it says a lot for what he's been able to do. You know, there's obviously still holes with the team. You know, the goaltending's poor. The defense is, you know, is lacking depth. You know, they're lacking depth up front too. You know, you could argue that their their third and fourth lines aren't aren't really doing too much for them. Um, but things are trending in the right direction, and I think what they're doing, what he's been able to do with with the main team, and what you know what Seth's doing with with Rochester. Uh, they've tur- they, they you know Kevin Adams talked that he wanted this to be a, a franchise that develops and develops players well. well. It certainly looks like they're on the road to doing that because we're seeing guys excel in Rochester and guys that are going to come up and, you know, be a part of the Sabres at, at some point in the future. And that's something they haven't really been able to do. You know, they, they've been very poor at developing their own draft picks, you know, outside of first round guys, like and getting anybody past beyond the, the first round has been very difficult. The fact that Victor Olsen turned into a, a, you know, a pretty good player after being a seventh round choice is, is, 
staggering, honestly. Staggering for a lot of reasons. You know, not a lot of sevens routers make the NHL, but you know, to be a guy that can score 20, 30 goals is another thing. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, you know, with how they've drafted the last couple of years, things look good. I mean, we'll see how it translates you know, down the road, but things look like they're in a good direction. Donnie's a big part of that. Well, that bring the fans back. I mean, the attendance has been an issue this year. A lot of crowds under 10,000. I mean, you, you can blame the COVID situation if you like, but this has been a problem from the get-go this season. Yeah. Um, there are convenient excuses. COVID, obviously, the border being closed is another one, or the border being a pain to get through for, you know, they have a ton. They've had a lot of season ticket holders in southern Ontario, you know, just you know, over Welland or Niagara Falls or wherever, but um, – I got a funny feeling that even if the border wasn't an issue, a lot of those folks would still be canceling their tickets because you know the, the whole the whole mess with Jack really soured a lot of fans. You know, either it soured them on Jack or it soured them on the team because it was just like, you know, you promised us this, you know, this was going to be different. Things aren't different. In fact, it's worse. You know, what are we even doing here? You know, you come off a short season in which you, you still lost, you, you lost eighteen in a row. You're going to lose season ticket holders for that. Like that's. That's that's the appropriate punishment. I don't think they anticipated it was going to be this rough, though, um, because, pardon me, <laughs> talking myself raw get a, get here. A cough, get a cough button. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wish. Um, the uh, but like the, those are convenient excuses for me. Like this is this is something that's been building for a bit. You know, with you know, you can't keep missing the playoffs and keep having such disappointments over and over again without having their a price being paid. I mean, my first year here is what, uh, 2013, 2014. They had a list. They still had a list of people waiting to get season tickets, you know, because all the, every, every ticket was spoken for. Even after, you know, 14, 15 and the, you know, the, that tank season, everybody was, you know, holding on because they're like, we're going to get one of those guys and things are going to be different and things are going to change. And, you know, after, I think it was after like two or two or three years. You know, of having Jack and, and those guys, like people, you know, the, the list started, they started making calls down the list to be like, hey, you interested? And the answers kept coming back, no. And now there's no lists. And now they're begging people to, you know, even people that have had season tickets already and they dropped them this year. They've been reaching out to those people to say like, hey, what can we do to, to win you back here? And people are just like, no. Like, sorry, man. Like this, you know. Using that money for other stuff now. Sorry, like that's that's just the way it goes. You guys have kind of killed my interest in hockey, which it's crazy to say that because you know Buffalo is a great market. Yeah, because you know, Buffalo has always been like number one ranked TV market when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an unbelievable sports town. You know whether the te- whether the, the home team is involved or not, people just love watching the, watching the, watching the games, and you know you you take away the fun from your own team. You know, there's a price to be paid, and they're paying it right now because, you know, the, the Buffalo Bandits are drawing about as many as the Sabres are, and you know, no, no, no offense to the National Lacrosse League, but that's that's a tough spot for the NHL to to, to really look at and say, like, man, I don't like this at all. <laughs> well, they're letting the Coyotes move to uh, Arizona State's a new facility that's you know, with five thousand people, so the NHL, NHL probably doesn't care. Yeah, well, well, they care. <laughs> Believe me, they care. They the, the players definitely care because that's cutting into some money for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. I still understand the Arizona State thing for the life of me. I just, I don't get that. I whatever they they want to keep a team there so badly. I get it. I've I've been down that road too many times already talking about that in the yeah. past. But 
What? But this, uh, but having Buffalo turn up like this is 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 rough because Buffalo is Buffalo. The cost for Buffalo tickets is still low compared to every other team in the league. So there was already kind of an issue with, from some of the owners that the Sabers weren't charging more for tickets, and they're just like, listen, this this economy isn't made for charging Chicago prices and Buffalo or New York City prices here. It ain't like that here. Uh, and the fact that you know now you're turning out you know seven, eight, nine thousand a game. And you're not charging a lot of money for the tickets. It's gonna be some motors and some motors that are gonna be like, "All right, time. You guys gotta, you guys gotta figure it out here. Like, let's go." March 10th, the Vegas Golden Knights come to Buffalo. What is that night going to be like? Ah, oh, man, it's gonna be. I'm fascinated, honestly. I, I kind of want to buy a ticket myself just to sit in the crowd and, and get an idea of what that's gonna be like because I don't know what that response is gonna be. Uh, truthfully, I, I don't know if it's going to be a lot of booze. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, a lot of people, you know, cheering for him, being like, hey, we're happy for you. Good luck. Because that does happen. That does happen in some places. And I think there there's a lot of fans who, when he was traded, they were just like, all right, man, good luck. We understand. <laughs> we get it. But there are also a lot of fans who are, you know, this guy isn't a leader. Can't believe he quit on the team. You know, Josh Allen would never do such a thing. And then then you point out that Michael signed an eight-year contract and, you know, Josh Allen did sign an eight-year contract. So like, oh, whatever. He's, he's, a, he's a better guy. Like, okay, you know, whatever the story you want to you wanna write for yourself to make yourself feel better, whatever, that's fine. But um, I think it's going to sound more like booze, but I think there's going to be a good number of cheers too because people, the, the fans here are smart. The fans get it, like, and they understand. You know, like, if, if they do boom, then it's just, you know, I think there's a little bit of jealousy that somebody was able to get free, get away, yeah. <laughs> get away from the best, and, you know, fans are kind of stuck with it. You know, I, I it's crazy to think, because did O'Reilly, I don't know that O'Reilly's come back. I don't know that O'Reilly's come back here yet from from after winning the Cup, because I'm, I'm trying to think if they were here in 2019-20 in yet before they shut down the season. I don't know for sure. Because, yeah, I don't know what that – I don't know. I, if he hasn't if he hasn't been back yet, I, I, I'll, that, that's another response I'll be really curious about. A, a, but by a, that a, point, a, a, it a, might April, be yeah. – people might have forgotten already. Yeah, April 14th that happens when St. Louis comes to uh, Buffalo. Oh, man. That's – yeah, I got I, – I'm going to have to look up and see if he came back during that 19 and 20 season. But, um, but yeah, like, it, you know – it's it's going to be fascinating. That that whole week is going to be really weird because Sam Reinhardt makes his return to Buffalo. That same the, the game before, I think yeah. they play Vegas. Is they they play Florida, right. and that's Reinhardt's first return first return to Buffalo too. So you know all the uh, all the all the old guys are coming back to town to uh, to show off their new fancy teams that are going to the playoffs. Well, you mentioned uh, Seth Apper, the former RPI coach, now the head coach of the uh, Sabres AHL affiliate, the Rochester Americans. How do you think he's doing down there? I think he's doing great. Um, the Amherst have had to deal with a lot. <laughs> you know, there's, the Sabres have had to deal with a lot, but, like, the goaltending stuff has been crazy. You know, Sabres chewed through six different goalies at, at points this year, so the effect that that's had down there is, is wild. I mean, we're talking. They had to sign a couple of guys when what, Matt Robson, I think, had to get had to get called up to just you know sit on the bench for for Buffalo once, and they you know it, crazy stuff like that. Well, I don't know. Well, like Michael Hauser had to go up and play some games. It, just all kinds of stuff, and 
you know, they, you know, they've had injuries. They, you know, they've, I think they're going through a flu bug right now where there's a bunch of dudes that are, you know, they had to miss games because of the flu. You know, they had a bad COVID outbreak early in the season, you know, just all kinds of stuff. He's, he's had to, he's had to juggle fire this year and they're doing pretty well. Um, you know, I think they're in a playoff spot right now in the AHL and, you know, with all the turnover that they've had and, you know, Jack Quinn's been injured a couple of times this year. Uh, you got, you know, a new guy, new guys like him and Paterka, uh, who are learning on the fly. Paterka has been incredible. Um, but it's, but it's, it's all those guys, like you expect those guys to do well, but it's the guys further down the lineup that are producing that, you know, guys that don't have NHL contracts that are doing well down there. And the fact that he's, you know, he's got everybody on the same page and it's the same page that they're working on in Buffalo. You know, that, I mean, that, this should be automatic that the parent club and the farm club, you know, work in the same work out of the same playbook, but they really are. And, you know, that I think that comes from the, you know, the USA hockey background from both guys, but, um, but Seth's done really well handling everything. And he's, you know, you remember him from RPI as well as I do. He's a player's coach. Players absolutely love Seth. And that's definitely the case in Rochester. And, you know, Amherst fans were really ticked off when Chris Taylor was let go. You know, he's, one of the many people that was let go during the, uh, the giant clear out that they had a couple years ago. And Taylor was very loved by, you know, he's a former, former Sabre, former Amherst, you know, great dude, super guy. But the focus that he had was different from what, what they wanted. And, you know, I understand why they let him go, but Seth has everybody, like has everybody on the same, has everybody on the same level. Like he's not, he's not playing favorites. He's not doing, you know, he's not leading heavily on veterans. He's not doing anything like that. He's, He's really taken taken hold of, of being a developer, developing kind of coach and still managing to, to, to put things together so they can win. It was a little rough early in the season. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but Seth's done, Seth's done really well. And you know, I think the fact that he's had a lot of goalies to work with probably keeps him extra involved yeah. with things too. Yeah. I'm just looking at this uh, Vegas-Buffalo game on March 10th. It's a, an exclusive to ESPN Plus and Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. The that's, national game. That's, so. that's 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 prime viewing, man. That's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, geez, how could it not be though? Like, you I, well, it should be on regular ESPN though. It's not, not just ESPN Plus. I mean, I just, but it's the way the new contract is. That's the way we got to uh, watch it that way. So that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, cutting the cord. Everybody's cutting the cord these days. But yeah. uh, but even still, on those those exclusive nights, people just kind of they still get lost. Like, where the hell's this game at? It's like you got to watch it online. I'm sorry. Well, Joe, where can people find you on social media? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Uh, you can find also my work at Noted Hockey on Substack. You can find the Maintenance Day podcast on any pa- podcast platform you can find. Uh, I'm also doing uh, That Hockey Show every Thursday and the Talking Buffalo podcast for Thursdays or Fridays, whichever day we decide to do it. And some writing at Die by the Blade, too. I'm staying really busy, Kenny. Good. Trying, to, I'm trying to stay active here. I'm glad you're doing that, man. Glad you're doing that. Enjoy your work, as always. Uh, Joe, appreciate uh, talking to Sabres Hockey here. It was a very fascinating interview, and we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, Kenny. It would be fun. That's Joe Yerdon. We're back to wrap up the podcast and have the first winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. 
If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week one winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is Joe Malinowski of Niskayuna. Joe wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Joe. The VIP winner is Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC. I'll announce the winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the contest and promotions logo. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Joe Yurden for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast Thursday focusing on college hockey. I'll preview the Union men's games against Harvard and Dartmouth, the final ones of the regular season, as the Dutchmen try to get home ice in the first round of the ECAC hockey tournament. Next week on the podcast, I'll talk with Will Brown, the general manager and head coach of the Albany Patroons, as they get set to open the basketball league season next Friday. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I am Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.